0: James chapter 3, we have looked at faith and works, we have tried to get rid of our hypocrisy both in action and in words, so in what we do and in what we say. Now, it is time to make sure, because James keeps talking about all this wisdom stuff, we have defined it, but James doesn't leave anything to chance, he wants to make sure he defines it rightly, so here we go. That is what this portion of the chapter is about. Why does this matter? because the world will tell you that they have wisdom. And they do have a claim to wisdom. I mean, is everyone in the world at all times completely idiotic? No, you might think that they are, but they are not. They do have some wisdom. It just has a terrible origination and source and it leads to nothing good. So we want to make sure we are not following a worldly wisdom. We want to make sure we are following a godly wisdom. I care about that. You care about that. James cares about that, which is why he writes this section. Let's dive right in. Who among you is wise and understanding? Ooh, 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 I know, I know, I know. Nobody! (laughs) Remember, you are only wise and have understanding as you are being sanctified. You need a change of heart that leads to a change of mind that leads to a change in actions. Hebrews 13, Through him let us continually offer up sacrifice and praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifice God is pleased. Notice that little prepositional phrase at the beginning. Through him. Apart from him, doing those things would be utterly useless because you would have engaged in pride and idolatry. You surrender to Christ and then walk in newness. So through him you do these things. Peter makes the same argument. 1 Peter 2, I urge you as aliens and strangers, not following worldly wisdom, following godly wisdom, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may be because of your good deeds as they observe them. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Always remember why the early church was executed and persecuted. It was because of Christ. They named the name of Christ above any other. That was the accusation. They tried to make up accusations, some of them based on our mourning here. You know, the early church was called cannibals, right? (laughs) You're like, how did they come up with that? What did we partake of, Christian? The body and the blood. Ugh. They get together and engage in cannibalism and incest. That's what they were accused of because everybody referred to each other how? brother and sister. So they're family, but they're husband and wife, and they're eating bodies and drinking blood. What is wrong with these people? And then you bring them in for examination. It's like, oh, well, just offer the pinch of incense to the emperor and go home. What do you mean you can't do that? It's a pinch of incense. Offer it, say Caesar is Lord, and go about your way. Jesus is Lord. Now we have problems. Now that's your crime. That's your great problem with the world. Um, Christian, isn't that the problem you want to have with the world? That's your great accusation. That's your righteousness. When God comes, what the world says is crime, God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what Peter is encouraging you towards. That's what James is encouraging you towards. Um, Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians. The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You do all of these things. You walk in such a manner because of who Christ is and What he has done. Hence, the rest of this verse. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. How do I know who these people who are wise and understanding, how do I know who they are? I can see what they're doing. James 2. Someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. Always remember the order here. Changed heart leading to a changed mind to follow godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom, which then leads to a change in action. This is why we look at the fruit, why we pay attention to the life. It is because... God is at work, and it is creating something. Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's no overcoming. There is no walking away. This is what you grow in. Now, doing my Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean run again. I don't know why I'm doing that now. I've watched those movies with the kids, and now I'm doing this one. I walk around the podium. <sighs> Told you it was going to be a day. Are you growing in all of these things all of the time in exponential ways? No. You would like to. But, Christian, remember many, many times Christian living is a slog through the mud. It is a slow, steady march Driven and accomplished by the work of Christ through the Holy Spirit in you. Keep in mind that work oftentimes being accomplished in you is in spite of you. Because we are too busy paying attention to worldly wisdom and not being grounded in godly wisdom. Therefore, when we are confronted with a decision, we go, ooh, and then we realize we have gone the wrong way. But rejoice. Do not look at, how did I do compared to yesterday? How did I do before, compared to the day before that? You'll drive yourself insane. Well, let me rephrase that. You'll drive yourself more insane than you already are. Because I have to deal with you guys, so I know. Just make sure you're paying attention. Five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, if God gives you breath, if he carries you that forward. Look at where you are. We've, I've used this example before. I'll use it again. It's supposed to look like a good stock market. Like, when you turn on your financial network, right, you want to see what a good stock market looked like this year. What does it look like? It started over here, back in, you know, whatever month you're starting in, and now it's up here. Now, did it go from here? Straight shot. No, it looked like what? Little peaks and valleys, but over time, it just kind of slowly made its way up to that nice high place. This is what your sanctification is. We started out here. We want to get there. And you know what sometimes it's peaks and valleys and it just and it's a train wreck over here and <laughs> But what ends up happening over time is the Holy Spirit carries you along and he accomplishes what he has purposed in his people. So you grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, because over time this is the work that he is doing. Now James summarizes this because your good deeds should be what? Gentleness of wisdom. Why does James pick those two? Because remember, he's not teaching these Christians these things in a vacuum. Everything James is teaching is based upon what? Give me the Sunday school answer. Yes. Remember, they wrote a song about this on Caleb. When you don't know what to say, just say Jesus. (laughs) It's just the only good thing about that song. And if you love that song, I'm not picking on you, but it's it's a little shallow. But that's okay. It's got a nice beat. You can dance to it. I don't know. (laughs) There you go. Wait, wait, we're a Baptist church. No dancing. That's evil. <laughs> you laugh. First church I worked in, that was one of the fellowship hall rules, was you can't dance. It was right there next to alcohol, smoking, and playing cards. <laughs> I, I will never forget the first t- uh, trip I had with teenagers, and one of the kids, because we were going to be gone for a week and we're riding in the van, and he pulls out a deck of cards. And one of the other kids is like, <gasps> put this away. <laughs> Like he had contraband, smuggling it into some prison somewhere. I'm driving, going like, What, what is going on back there? And he's like, Lee brought cards. <laughs> I'm like, like, do they have naked women on them or something? Because I mean, I found those in my grandfather's stuff when he passed away. Like, no, no. Then Lee's like, no, no. They're just from like. Then why do we care? That's a rule. That's a. Ru- I'm driving the van. I'm supposed to be in charge. That's a rule. <laughs> i'll tell you what don't do anything stupid with them and we'll figure this out okay so it's okay as long as you're not playing like strip poker in the back of the church van i think we're gonna be all right so they were they started playing like go fish or something back in the (laughs) we are good as christians at making some funky rules but no we base things on the wrong thing james doesn't want to do that So James is basing his entirety of teaching on Christ. Matthew 5, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 10, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. How does that work, Christian? Well, I've told you this before. When it comes to dealing with other Christians, and even when dealing with other non-Christians, Try to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I know that's almost impossible in the modern world. It is. It is almost impossible. But if you do not try to discipline yourself to try and think the best of people until proven— catch that word—proven otherwise, you will be miserable in this place. You will hate humanity, and you will hate people in a way that you just don't even— contemplate and understand. You have to discipline yourself to give people the benefit of the doubt and try and assume the best while at the same time preparing for the worst. Innocent as doves, shrewd as serpents, knowing their hearts, knowing that it's probably not going to end well, but assuming from the beginning and trusting in who? God. This is why Christ can tell Peter, you forgive him 70 times 7. Because you're trying to live in a godly manner. You're not trying to live according to worldly condemnation or worldly standards. You're trying to point them to the grace and mercy that is found in Christ. That starts with having what? Some grace and mercy because it has been shown and poured out on you first. This is one of those discipline areas that is important. Gentleness of wisdom. Being wise, but being gentle, kind-hearted. You need this, and, I, and I'm serious. the world will go out of its way to crush this in you, because this is something that this is something i working working very hard on this because my default setting is I don't like people, okay that's my default i'm some of you are like, Haha, no, I'm serious. My default setting is i'm not a, I'm not a people person. I never have been. I'm more than I used to be, because that love, joy, peace, and patience has grown, and some days I really don't like it, because I find myself caring about things that I don't want to care about, but I'm okay. I need this. (laughs) Because if you know what humanity is, and you pay attention to what the world is trying to accomplish in its worldliness, you will realize that you want no part of it. We don't get to just hit the button and eject out of here. We have to actually deal with this. And remember that, Christian, they're not the enemy. They're the prize. Sin is the enemy. Iniquity, its fruit in our life, is the enemy. And we overcome that with our faithfulness and the faithful proclamation of what God has done for us and all the people that he will redeem. Remember why you stand. I'll tell you this all the time. Remember why you stand. Because the minute you start thinking it was because of something other than the grace and mercy of God, we are in a terrible place and will do terrible things and justify them in ways that... Our good old lion hearts will just think are wonderful, but in actuality are catastrophic to our walk. So, this is the good side of the coin. Who wants to see the bad side of the coin? Well, we're going to. Verse 14. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Um, Real quick, in other words, if you actually live like that, um, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Matthew 7. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. James 3 makes the same idea. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree produce olives, or a vine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh? See, this is important. The answer, of course, is no. So if that is what your life is producing, if you are producing bitterness, and selfishness, and ambition in the world, and jealousy. What's in your heart? The same things. Now, how many people have sat in chairs just like these with those fruits and said, I'm good. I'm good. I've talked the talk for years. I'm fine. Welcome to Why James Writes His Letter. Because eventually the world will ring you out. This is why I said, discipline your heart. Because the world does not let anybody get through unscathed. I mean, you, you, you had that person in school, right? Didn't you have that person in your class or the grade above your grade below you? Um, the old joke is they were born on third but think they hit a triple. Like everything they do just works. And how did you feel about that person? <laughs> you don't want to say it because deep down you hated them. It's okay. We're we're honest here. This is a safe space. No, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. I got me. Cameron's like, don't make me come up there. <laughs> no, we have to be honest about ourselves because if we're not, then we're lying about ourselves, and that's not the point of anything we're trying to do. But you hated that person, and you secretly rooted for what that day when life was going to do what it does to everybody and get them. And you know what? It does. There's not a person who just trips through completely fine. Life will ring you out, and when it does, it reveals who and what you are. The small picture of this is what comes flying out of your mind when you stub your toe. I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you, 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 if there's people around, you try to censor what you yell, but what'd you think? What'd you think? Be honest. Well, now you know what's truly in your heart. That's the small picture. But big picture is when life is difficult. When there are trials and struggles and difficulties, who you are will always shine through. This is one of the first great church, con- uh, church controversies in the, um, what is it, 4th uh, century? Yeah, 300s was, well, no, actually, it goes back, well, yeah, basically, we'll, st- we'll start there. Christianity had been legalized, and you were having to deal with what did you do with the people who had surrendered the faith before Christianity was legalized. So in other words, you had people where the Roman soldiers would come in and demand, we want you to give up all your scriptures and all your prayer candles and whatever it is you have. And some people said, no, I'm not giving you that. And they got hauled off to the Colosseum and fed to the lions and boiled in oil and all that other good stuff. And some of the people went, oh, here you go. (laughs) I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. Here you go. And then they went back to church and went i'm a believer and people in the church went well, well dave went to the lions and you're just fine yeah i gave him the book and they threw him out of the church and some people even got thrown out of the church be like how are you here the i saw the romans come to your house last night well yeah i gave them a copy of some other book they don't read it they don't know the difference but you weren't willing to die for christ well i didn't have to but you weren't willing to they threw them out of the church was one of the great first controversies. What do you do with these people? Do you bring them back in? What have they borne out in their heart? How have they shown themselves? Your mileage may vary. Answer the question accordingly. The point was, you're trying to judge based on how the actions have been, because the, the understanding was, that's as bad as it gets. The soldiers have kicked down your door and threatened you with the edge of the sword. What did you do? What did you reveal about yourself? And if you were willing to hand over, or you were willing to lie about it, then maybe what's in your heart is not as good as you think it is, and something has been shown. James is making the same warning, because this has been true. This was, what was the very beginning of the book? Go all the way back to chapter 1, where we start. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, your heart and faith have been revealed because you stood firm under trial. If you can't stand firm under trial, it is because this is what is in your heart. How will we know a long-term this is what's in your heart? Because it will be what is in your life. Now, let's say the biggest duh of the day. You ready? The person of verse 13 is not the same as the person of verse 14. We can all stipulate that, right? Why not? Why not? This is the heart of gospel proclamation, and this is the heart of understanding who you are in the world. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, this is James one, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And he must ask in faith, without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord from the Lord, being a double minded man, unstable in all of his ways. John made a similar argument, just with less flowery words. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once again, built on the teachings of who? The teachings of Christ. What did Jesus tell the crowds? John 5, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. The reason why we have to be honest and do the work of saying, why is the person of verse 13 different from the person of verse 14, is because the answer is your death. The person of, 13, the person of verse 13 is dead. They are Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave, him, and gave himself up for me. This is the check that James is trying to get you to do in your heart and mind before the governing authorities do it for you. The check that you do in your life before life does it for you. Before the world does it for you. Why is it going to happen? Why is it that we have those those trite little sayings, into every life a little rain must fall? Why do we say that? Because it's true. Why is it true? Because as Hebrews warns you, do not forsake the discipline of the Lord. Who is the guiding hand behind all of your existence? It is God. He is the one who rules and reigns upon the throne. He is the one who sits at the head of creation. There are no accidents or surprises in a kingdom run by a sovereign creator. Welcome to your existence. Which means you will be refined. You will be chiseled. You will be pruned. Whatever analogy you would like to give, you will be tested and tried. And the goal that James is trying to encourage the churches is that he does not want you to be found wanting. You do the work because the world is going to do the work. Would you like, how did you, any of you ever have this uh, This uh, teacher or professor in high school and college? This is on the test. Write this down. Didn't you love that? Because at least you got one, right? <laughs> I know there's going to be one right. God's doing the same thing. God doesn't just show up and, it, pop quiz that you didn't study for and I didn't tell you it was coming and we didn't give you the material beforehand. That's not how life functions. You know the difficulties are coming. You know the trials are coming. You know the tribulations are around the corner. The question is, who are you? Why are you? Answer those you have now studied for the test. You are now prepared. Because those are the questions that are going to be asked. If you, again, you want to see this. I use this example in Sunday school. I will use it again here. This is the temptation in the wilderness of Christ. This is what Satan is doing. Who are you? Why are you? All Satan is doing is tempting him with Scripture. The promises of God. A little, you know, subtle twist thrown in. But he's just promising him the good and wonderful things of God, just with the wrong motivations. Christ rightly rejects and rightly does what? Leans upon the good things of God with the right motivations. In other words, Jesus gets the why correct. Yeah, the goal is to have all the kingdoms of the earth, but not because I followed the pattern of the world, but because I followed the pattern of God. Yes, the goal is to have a good life. Not here, following the wisdom of the world, but in eternity in God's kingdom, following the wisdom of heaven. It's the same end, just a different time frame because it's a different perspective based upon why you are doing what you're doing. These things matter. If we don't understand them in our life, we can't proclaim them in other lives. And if we can't disciple and strengthen ourselves, then we can't make disciples, which is kind of the point last time I checked. Go and make disciples. That again starts with who? me. Your first ministry is always where? At home. Starts with you, the people that are around you, and then those little concentric circles going outward. So, let's continue. Verse 15. This wisdom, talking about verse 14's wisdom, is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Well, James, tell me how you really feel. (laughs) This is why I love the writers of the New Testament, because they don't care. How you feel about it, they care about what you know about it and whether or not it is true. This, this is a rule in my house, I would encourage you to make it a rule in your house and in your life. I don't care if it's nice, as long as it's true. Truth is never mean, truth simply is. You cannot like it, <laughs> but that doesn't make it any less real. Now, I did not give you permission to be a jerk in your house. I gave you permission to be honest and open and to call a spade a spade. So this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly, natural, demonic in line with the heart of its maker, John 8. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, when you live in that manner and you walk according to that course, um, how is your life going to look? How is your mind going to operate? Now you understand Paul a little bit better when he talks about a natural man not accepting the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him because he can't understand them because they are spiritually appraised. In other words, if you continue in the wisdom of the world long enough and you follow the course of the ruler of this place long enough, then when you are confronted with actual truth and wisdom from God, what do you call it? You call it lies and stupidity. We have to change the definitions of things because that can't possibly be true. Why not? Because I don't like it. And if I don't like it, it must be bad. What's a woman again? I mean, I laugh, but where does that come from? Why was it, or why is it, is a better question, that every generation of humanity and mass could define basic biological traits without 15 qualifications, but we can't today. The answer is simple. Foundations. An understanding of true and right and wisdom. If you sit long enough in a lie, you eventually begin to believe it. This is how abusers work. If you've never grown up with or around an abusive person, let me enlighten you a little bit. The reason why people don't leave, the reason why people don't escape is because they don't think they should. They've been told something, they've been forced into something for so long, they, believe to be, they begin to believe that it's true. You see this with children and women all the time. They're told that they're ugly and they're stupid and they're unworthy for so long that they get to the place where it's like, I can't go anywhere. There's nowhere else that I could survive. I'm too stupid to make it. I'm not good enough for anything else. This is where I live. You've sat in the lie for so long that you think that it's true. Then when you are actually confronted with truth from outside, you know what you side with? You side with the lie. That's why you hear things like, no, he's changed. Or no, it'll be better this time. Because you have sided with the lie. Now that's a small picture, and you can see this with so many people. That's your world, Christian. It has sat In a pit of lies for so long that it sees light and truth and goes, (gasps) because it doesn't know what else to do with it, because it can't possibly be real, because we already know what? That this muck and mire is real. This is why you can't change behavior without changing the mind. And this is why you cannot change the mind without changing the heart. And this is why you have to shine a gospel light in a dark world because you can't reason with this. You cannot convince this. It is demonic in nature and it must be conquered by the one who conquers all things. This is again why your weapons of warfare matter and are so important. I mean, this is what Paul's talking about. 2 Corinthians 11. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. I want to live my truth. I want to do everything that my heart tells me is good. Where will that lead? Destruction and chaos of every kind. And yet, we're being told, but, but that's the loving thing to do. No, it isn't. I don't care if it's nice. I care what? It's true. And maybe part of the reason why I have such a visceral reaction to that is because of how I grew up. Because I know what an abuser looks like. And I want to make sure that I sit where? I don't want that to grow. I don't want that to foster. So I don't care if it was nice. I care that it was right. Because as long as we stand there, we stand on the side of the light. We stand where the light shines in the works of Christ. That is necessary because the lie from the world goes, look at this wonderful muck. Isn't this an amazing swamp? Don't you just smell that beautiful fresh swamp air? Spectacular. There's nothing better than this. And this is all that will ever be. No. But how do you change that? By actually getting them to the place that they recognize that the muck is what it is, that it is dirty and disgusting and filthy. And the only way that happens is if their eyes are open because their mind is clear, because their heart is changed. In other words, they have seen the goodness of Christ and have trusted in him to carry it out. This is, again, why you have to discipline your heart, Christian, to go into this world. Because if you do not, you'll be confronted with these things and you will hate them. And you will forget the basic truths of Scripture. Ephesians 6. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That poor, wretched human is the victory, not the enemy. The wisdom that, comes down, that does not come down from above is the enemy. Verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Highly technical theological term for that. Duh. I mean, what would demonic paganism produce other than (laughs) jealousy, selfish ambition, and disorder, and every evil thing? I mean, I read you the fruit of the Spirit. You know what comes right before that, right? Galatians 5. The deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Or maybe I should say, why not? Because they reveal what? If you're capable of living and cavorting in that life, what is true about your heart? That those are the things that you want. Because out of the heart is what the mouth actually speaks. Which is, again, Christian. What are God's terms? There's a battle going on, right? Sin is constantly warring against God. God comes down with his armies. What are are his terms? Surrender. Surrender. You don't get to draw up a negotiation. We're not trying to create a treaty here. It is surrender. Now, please, you want to discipline your heart so that you don't hate them, so that you can remember why you stand. Remember how you got here. Luke 9. Jesus was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever, wishes to lose his, whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. In other words, why are you in? Because you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. You have been crucified with him. You have denied yourself. This is how you discipline your heart. Because you have to remind yourself, of course they lied to me. What are they? They're liars. Always remember that. Oh, We covered this last week. Didn't we do this last week? If not, I did this on Wednesday. See, this is what happens when I'm teaching three classes a week. I don't remember who I said what to. So you're going to hear it again. (laughs) Imagine that. They're not a liar because they told a lie. They told a lie because they are a liar. They're not a thief because they stole from you. (laughs) They stole from you because they are a thief. They don't say, they're not mean to you because they said bad things. They already hated you from the beginning. Remember, it starts in the heart always. Now, how did you get here? Because you realize that about yourself, and you recognize that by the grace of God, and you repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, and he is now carrying you forward. So of course they lied. Of course they engage in worldly wisdom. Of course they're following demonic ideas and teachings and lying and cavorting and producing every evil thing. That's what sinful hearts do. Now what are you going to do about it? (laughs) You going to go hide somewhere? You're going to hate them and sit in an ivory tower and go, well, Jesus loved me more than you. It's so like, are you going to live and trust and know that one day, dun, 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 this is why they threw out the ones that gave up, you know, a copy of the Odyssey. Well, these Roman soldiers can't read. They don't know what a Christian book looks like. So yeah, hey, here you go. Here's some Virgil and Homer and have a nice day. Do you think they just came up with that? that's why they got thrown out of church. That's why they got kicked out because the rest of the congregation was like, you saw what they did and you planned to make sure that didn't happen to you. Your life was more important than your testimony, which means you were more important than your service to Christ. Show me your faith and I'll show you mine. How? By my works. No, they didn't come for me. Not yet but by the grace of God, when they do, I'll stand. They've come for you. You fell. Now we have options, right? You can continue lying about this, or you can do what? Repent, trust, and walk again. This is the beauty of the Christian message. This is the beauty of the walk that we have in this world, is that we recognize that as we walk, we fall. And as they have fallen, they can be picked up by the same gospel of grace that has redeemed and held us. That's why it's so important that you guard your heart. Because if you become callous to the world, the light doesn't shine, the message doesn't go forth, and God has to find somebody else. And here's the thing about all of human history. He will. He will. But then what does that reveal about you? Your mind and your heart. See, the world has now tested you, hasn't it? You have been weighed and measured and found wanting. And what does that mean? You have to figure that out. James cares about that before it happens, so he's telling you to do what? Check yourself when? Now. So that you can live faithful when? Now. So that when the time comes, you'll be living faithful when? Now, because then will be now. That's how remember time is a weird thing. By placing Christ at the foremost and remembering that it is our surrender and submission to Him is why we stand, then we realize we're not better because we are not good, but He is. Therefore, when I see them cavorting in their sin and living just how every single iniquity would love to live, I'm not surprised and I'm not shocked might still be a little bit horrified, but I can recognize that there but for the grace of God go I, and there but for the gospel proclamation go you. Because my hope is that who can change this? Who fixes this? God does. God can. How? Through the work of the Spirit, through the proclamation of Christ, through the working of his gospel. Now, let's connect that idea to what James has said previously. You see your brother, hungry and naked. (laughs) And you go, be warm, be clothed. Then you go to church and say what? Oh, you know, I I was walking in the street and I saw Dave. He ain't got any money. He ain't got any food or clothing. I wish God would send somebody to know what's going on with Dave so we can try to help him. (laughs) The proper response is what, church? Dude, you were right there. So we look at the world, lost in its sin. Cavorting its iniquity and go, I wish someone would proclaim the gospel in this situation so that they would hear, so that they would know, so they would turn. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I know who. Because you're there. This is why this matters. I will never forget this as long as I live. I will leave out the names to protect the, you decide. <laughs> I had a I'd, been at a, I'd been at a church for a year and a half, two years, and one of the deacons In his 60s, grew up in the church, has been a deacon for decades. We were having an interesting meeting. It had a little bit of a contentious time period. And we were, you know how there's always the meeting after the meeting? (laughs) We were in that. We were in the meeting after the meeting and standing between, I can still remember where we're standing to this day, standing between two of the church's buildings. And we're talking for a few minutes. And he goes, If I understand you correctly, keep in mind, this man's in his 60s in church's whole life. If I understand you correctly, you don't want us to focus on trying to bring everybody to church. You want us to focus on bringing the gospel with us everywhere we go because we encounter people that you'll never meet. That was a new concept. And it's like, I wanted to hug him. I almost started crying. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. He's like, because he goes, he goes. Uh, he goes you've only we had we had been we, we'd moved to that town for that job. He's like, you've only been here like a year and a half, two years. You don't know anybody. He goes, I know thousands of people. <laughs> yes, this is this is how this works. Is you carry your light and I carry. All. <sighs> I had to go home and it was like, I think I'm happy. I think this is a victory. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, but that's the brokenness of even the church, that we don't get this concept, is that we think there's somebody else, that there's a professional. I've had this conversation with folks here. It's like, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Are you following Christ? Yes. Are you proclaiming his goodness? Yes. Then you're the one. You're the person. Then multiple people, I wish I could get you talking to me, like get me in front of somebody and answer questions. Like, but you're not. Because that would just be weird and they don't want to talk to me. You know who they want to talk to? You. (laughs) <laughs> so do what you can, figure it out, I'll help any way that I can, but you know what, trust the Holy Spirit, and trust the working of God, because you have a light to shine, and you have work to do, and this is part of your life of offering that you give, this is how this works, this is what James cares about, as you go Christian, as the persecution comes, as the difficulties arise, will you stand, because you have disciplined your heart in Christ, and are following him faithfully. That's what James is worried about. That's what we need to be worried about. Because if we're not, we look at this, we get shocked, and then we get horrified, and we run screaming for the hills. And then what happened? Nothing good, nothing useful. And look, I didn't tell you to enjoy their sin. I told you, don't be shocked by it. Because every evil thing, you know how many evil things that can possibly be? Don't watch the news; you'll find out. And I'm kidding because if you want a good example from history, um, oh, uh, Martin—I think it's Martin Martin Bullinger. Bullinger—it's German or something. It doesn't matter. Um, one of these successors to uh, to John Calvin. Maybe it is French. I don't know. He's in, he's one of these Reformation guys. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read him, but. Um, They have collections of his sermons in, in chunks of 10, and they're called the Decades because they're 10 sermons as they go. And I'm weird, so I have some of them on my tablet, and they're actually kind of fun to read because, they're again, they're from the 16th century, so you're rewinding right around 500 years. And I highlighted this, and I've never forgotten this part of it because it's hysterical to me because one of the things he mentioned in one of his sermons was to his elderly members of his congregation, he told them to stop complaining about the youth. He said, because every generation complains about how the new generation is worse than they are and are just leading a pathway straight to hell. And I started laughing hysterically because what's been the experience of your life? When you were growing up, the older generation told you what? Oh, you kids don't know anything. When I was your age, I would have never done that. I'd have never gotten away with that. And now that you're looking at the younger generation, what are you doing? (laughs) Humanity has been doing this for at least 500 years. (laughs) At least. Which means there's probably a good chance that they were doing it before good old Marty made mention of it in his sermon. I point that out because we're horrified. They have come up, they have hit the mark. We have invented every evil thing. They're all here and before us. Give it a few centuries. You know what people in 2642 are going to say? Man, those people back in the 2020s, they had it so good. Look what they did not have to deal with that we have seen. Because as technology and humanity continues on, what will happen? As they continue on in paganism, sin will increase. Evilness will abound and we will discover new and important ways to defile ourselves and the world around us. Don't be shocked. God is not mocked. The testimony goes forth by who? His faithful people. So let's finish up. The wisdom from above, I'm sorry, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, and without hypocrisy. Of course it is, because it comes from who? It comes from God through who? 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. See, they're good because they have passed from God through a redeemed person. They're good because in Christ that person is now good because of his mercy and goodness. Christian, this is where you stand. This is what Jesus told the apostles, John 15. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. There's a reason why that list sounds a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. Because you know what else it sounds a lot like? For homework. So I've told you what? Judges 6 and 7, Matthew 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the warning that Jesus gives. Now, what was the purpose of that sermon? To get that people to look away from who? To look away from themselves and to look upon who? God. Because their trust was in themselves. Their trust was in their works. Their trust was in their goodness according to their lives and according to their sacrifices that they had given. No, Christian, your trust is in God. Your goodness is in his accomplished works, grounded in his sacrifice accomplished for you. James is doing the same grounding. He's telling you that, Christian, as you have surrendered, as you have forsaken the wisdom of the world, as you are following the wisdom of Christ, you are new. You are clean. Those works are good. This is why James can so confidently say, how many of you would confidently have said, hey, you say you have faith without works? I'll show you my faith by my works. What's the old, uh, the old basketball joke? It's not bragging if you can back it up. How do you make sure you back it up, Christian? By being faithful now. Okay, one more thing for homework. This will be an encouragement for you. So, Judges 6 and 7, Matthew 5, <laughs> Hebrews 11. The glowing language of Hebrews 11 of those people who are the heroes of the faith. Go read those names and look at their lives. Those are some broken-down heroes. Those are some fallen, messed-up people redeemed of God. Thank you. Because you know what I am? The same thing. I need that encouragement. I need that uplifting. Because it's a reminder that not my works, his accomplishments, his goodness, his grace poured out in me. In verse 18. And the seed, whose fruit is righteousness, is sown in peace by those who make peace. Why? Because they've been changed. And because they have been changed by the work of God, His works multiply and abound in His people. This is Ephesians 2.10. You are His workmanship. Why? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God, pre- which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. See, we couldn't go where Christ went. This was the warning. Is you couldn't fo- the apostles couldn't follow Jesus where he was going to the cross, but they could follow him to where he was ultimately going, which was the kingdom. Why? Because where they could not go is where he accomplished redemption and sacrifice and salvation. And because of that, we can faithfully stand. That's why I tell you, Christian, not just who are you, but why are you? It's not just knowing where you are, it's knowing why you are there. This is what Jesus tells him, John 14. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am going, there you may be also, and you know the way that I am going. Don't be, how do I know the way? Where are you? Standing in Christ. Why are you standing in Christ? Because of his great work. How do you get there? Keep following him by doing what? Standing in Christ. Remembering why you stand the surrender of your life, the forsaking of your sin, and the trusting in him, and putting to death everything else. And then living in this world knowing that the same work that can redeem a wretch like me can redeem a wretch like them too. Therefore, my faithfulness is in my life and proclamation as I live and work in this world unto the glory of God. Let's pray.